Mark chapter 4, uh, we'll read the last uh, section here, uh, beginning in verse 35. I've entitled the sermon today, In the Eye of the Storm. It says, That day when evening came, he said to his disciples, Let us go over to the other side. Leaving the crowd behind, they took him along, just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Some of you might remember I shared a story a number of years ago when we were on a camping trip. Uh, we had a 31-foot camper, and we were down in Lewis and Clark, and a storm came up. A wind storm came up. And we were okay in the trailer. The trailer was kind of shaken. It's a 10,000-pound trailer and things shaken. And Pam looks out and sees our screen house out there. She says, you need to go get the screen house. I'm like, um, I'm not going to get the screen house. <laughs> and then the storm that was outside the trailer kind of developed inside the trailer as we talked about that. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, screen house husband. Which one is more valuable here? Um, screen house is kind of replaceable. I'm like, I am not, you know, and I know a lot of people say, oh, you're just a big scaredy cat. Yes, I am. I was not going out there to get that screen house. And the little stakes that held that screen house down did not hold it down very long. I mean, that thing went blowing across the campground, and it looked like an accordion with the uh, poles all bent and mangled, and it went in the trash. We got another screen house. But the point is, I, we were scared. Honestly, we were scared. We all gathered on our bed. I remember with our boys, they were a lot younger. We gathered on the bed, and we just prayed that God would protect us in that storm. But there was a couple things that we felt inside. One was very vulnerable, very insecure, and very unprepared. I mean, that's how we felt. And I can only imagine as the disciples are going out there in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, they felt very insecure, very ill-equipped, and very unprepared. I don't know how you do with a storm that comes into your life, but having pastored a number of years, and I've heard comments from people through the years, and sometimes I marvel at comments that come out of believers' mouths when they think that somehow believers are exempt from storms, and we're not. And so I just want to take a moment, maybe, maybe 2018 was a tough year for you. Maybe you went through some storms in your life that you're like, you know what, I didn't anticipate this at all. Uh, let me just remind us, I'm going to give you uh, five assumptions about storms and I actually shared these a number of years ago, but I want to share them again because I think they're still true today. The first one is a follower of Jesus does not have to go through any storms. If you believe that, you're not reading your Bible. 
The Bible tells us, even in the book of Acts, chapter 14, verse 22, it says, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Many tribulations, through many tribulations, will enter the kingdom of God. If you're a follower of Jesus, actually it should be the opposite. You should expect storms in your life. Because the Bible says if you dare to live godly, you will suffer persecution or storms of some sort. Uh, it's going to happen. Mary and Martha, Jesus was good friends with Mary and Martha and their family, but what happened to their brother Lazarus? He died. We go through storms. A second assumption that many people have is there will always be a warning before the storm hits. False. Actually, it's about the opposite. There's sometimes very little to no warning at all, and it just hits us like a tsunami. And it takes us off guard, and we're shaken to the roots of our faith. The disciples were shaken to the roots of their faith. That's why Jesus said, do you still have no faith? They were shaken to the foundation. And why were they shaken to the foundation? Because Jesus is trying to tell them, I'm the Messiah. And you don't yet understand what Messiah means. The power that I possess, the ability that I have to take care of you and meet your needs, that's who I am. I'm the Messiah who saves, who protects, who provides. I am that Messiah, and you don't understand that yet. And you know what? In many ways, I don't understand that yet either, do we? Many times we're shaken in our faith as well, and we don't understand who this Messiah is, how great this God is. We forget when we're in the middle of the storm and the warning isn't always there. It's just not there. Paul was not given a warning that he was going to be given a thorn in the flesh. Nowhere to say, you know what, Paul, in a few years, guess what? You're going to have this thorn in your flesh. Daniel was not warned that he was going to be hauled off into captivity and thrown into a lion's den. He wasn't warned. Job was not warned he was going to face incredible loss of wealth, health, and all of his children. There was no warning. It just happened. That's why we have to be prepared. Number three, the third false assumption that many people have is I will not have to face any severe storms. Oh, how false is that? You ever read about some of the early church people? William Carey, the father of modern missions. In the early 1800s, he took the gospel to India. And in taking the gospel to India, he lost three small children and his wife went insane. Is that severe? That's very severe. And then he was doing all this translation work, and as he was translating the Bible into other languages, he had it stored, and the place where he had it stored with all of his work burned up. There was a fire. Um, severe storms are going to come to us. And yet he never gave up. He stayed in India for 41 years. He was a man of faith. He trusted God. But they're going to come. The Apostle Paul was beaten, shipwrecked, stoned, imprisoned, and faced all kinds of hardships. We will face severe storms. We can. Number four, the purpose of the storm is to punish me. Some people have the idea, well, the reason... Now, God can use storms to correct us and discipline us, but that's not always the reason he does it. The purpose of the storm is not to punish us, it might be to humble us, to help us in that way. 
But what can God do in the midst of a storm? He showcases his keeping power. Didn't he do that for Job? Job said, though he slay me, yet I will what? Trust him. Though he slay me, yet I will trust him. Uh, The purpose of the storm is not to necessarily punish me. It could showcase God's keeping power. Joseph went through storms. He was in prison for years. And yet, God used it to humble him and shape him for a future ministry. Number five, God is not able to sustain me in my storm. Some people throw in the towel on their faith and say, you know what? This isn't what I signed up for, God. This is not my cup of tea. Uh, You didn't do this for me, so I'm checking out. Um, These are all false assumptions that God can help us with. So, we don't want to focus on all those, but I want you to be aware of those because Satan uses these in people's lives. But let's look at four lessons There we go. It wasn't advancing there for a second. Now, okay. Four lessons to learn when going through a storm. There we go. Lesson number one, God wants to grow my faith through the storm. Notice what he said to the disciples in verse 40. Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? God wanted to grow their faith through the storm. He says to them in that verse, why are you so afraid Do you still have no faith? Faith is belief in that which has no tangible proof. It is trust in God. So how do we get there? Well, first of all, I think we have to have an awareness of our helpless condition. That we are absolutely helpless apart from Jesus Christ. Apart from his power, apart from his strength, we have no strength. We have no power. We have no ability. See, one of the worst places to be in a storm is in a boat or a camper, (laughs) I think. You feel pretty vulnerable out on the water. It's not like you can just run to some bomb shelter somewhere. There was no life jackets on the boat. There was no anchor to hold them in that storm. There was nothing in the boat that was going to preserve them and protect them in the storm. They were absolutely helpless. And as long as we think we can help ourselves, we're not going to trust God. You know, some people say, well, God helps those who help themselves. That's not in Scripture. God helps those who can't help themselves. Is really more like it. The disciples had nothing Um, And God uses physical storms, he used this physical storm to show the weakness of the flesh and our need of Christ. We can't control weather patterns, we can't control storms that God brings into our lives. They were in danger of losing their lives. And whenever you get to that point, you know what goes out the window when you're helpless? Pride. Pride absolutely goes out the window. Why? Do you think they cared what people thought about them? They were going to do whatever was necessary. Jesus is sleeping, so they wake him up, saying, hey, we need help here. Yeah, we're trained fishermen. We're people of the sea, but we're scared to death. They didn't care. They wanted help. 
and they were willing to do it. You run to the quickest thing you can or the closest person you can for help, and that was Jesus. There was no Coast Guard out there patrolling the waters that they could run to. So if we have recognized our helpless condition, we will be apt to run to Jesus for help in our lives. Secondly, a willingness to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. That's what Jesus was trying to get the disciples to do. Trust me, follow me, believe me what I say by what I say and what I do. Some of you might remember the name Horatio Spafford. He was a Chicago lawyer with a thriving legal practice, a beautiful home, a wife, four daughters, and a son. He was a devout Christian, and he was faithful, a faithful student of the scriptures. In the late 1860s, they lived on the north side suburb of Chicago with their five children. He was very successful. He was an elder in his church, and he was a dedicated Christian. They had an absolutely storybook life. However, in 1870, their faith was tested by a storm, a tragedy. Their four-year-old son, Horatio Jr., died of scarlet fever. They were devastated. That was in 1870. In October of 1871, they faced another storm the very next year, a test of their faith. A few months before the great Chicago fire, Spafford, being a wealthy man, had invested his wealth in real estate, and most of his holdings were destroyed by the fire. 250 people died in the fire, and 90,000 people were left homeless. The Spaffords, however, did not despair. Their home had been spared, and they had their family, and God had been good to them. They reached out to the homeless, they cared for the sick and the injured, and they comforted the grief-stricken. It was a tragedy. In 1873, just a couple years later, Anna Spafford, Horatio's wife's health was failing, and hoping to put the tragic loss of their son behind them in the fire, to benefit Anna's, Anna's health, the Spaffords planned a trip to Europe. They would go on a French steamer to Europe with their four daughters. They had planned to leave in November. As sometimes happens, God had other plans for Horatio Spafford. The day they were to sail, he had a business emergency and he could not leave. Not wanting to disappoint his wife and daughters, he sent them on ahead. That French steamer hit, collided with another ship and sank. His wife was rescued. His four daughters drowned. Within 12 minutes, it sunk to the bottom of the ocean. Only 81 of the 307 passengers and crew members survived the shipwreck. As they got out into the ocean, as Horatio went to meet his wife, the captain of the ship said, here is where the ship went down that carried your daughters. Horatio took out pen and paper and he began to write, when peace like a river attendeth my way, 
When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well with my soul. One of the greatest hymns that we still sing today. But that hymn came out of great tragedy and a storm in someone's life. So God brings those storms into our lives to bring glory to himself. And they can be very, very painful trials that we go through in our lives. But following Jesus is essential for growing in our faith. God will lead me into storms I cannot weather in my own wisdom. If we are serious about following Jesus, we need to realize he is calling the shots and not me. Following Jesus means we have to face storms in our lives that only God will see us through. He takes us through that so that we will progress in our faith. I want you to look at this verse here in Philippians 1.25. Convinced of this, Paul says, I know that I will remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy in the faith. It's all about progressing in the faith, not staying where we are. Notice he said, do you still have no faith? What he was talking about is, is your faith still so small that you don't trust me? Little faith, weak faith. Here's what he says in Matthew 6, 28 to 30. And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of what? Little faith. O you of weak faith. Can you not even trust me? for the daily needs of your life, like clothing, like food, like shelter. He says, is your faith that weak that you don't even trust me to provide those things for you? And by the way, we get pretty self-sufficient that it's my job, it's my income, it's my money, it's my health, it's my ability to provide those things. Do you know that your next heartbeat and your next breath come as a result of Almighty God? We can do nothing apart from Christ. Absolutely nothing. Um, and we have to remember that, that only through Christ can we do it. And our actions reflect our faith. What we do is a strong indicator of what we believe. And when our faith grows, so does our commitment. Our commitment to Christ will grow. And the reason it does is because when I have benefited and God has helped me and encouraged me and strengthened me, it results in praise and gratitude to God and commitment for what he's done in my life. Some people have made little to no progress in their faith than where they were at 10 years ago. Others have never personally shared their faith with another person. Some are still plagued with the same doubts about their faith they had since they were first saved. God longs to deliver the disciples from their fear. 
Fear paralyzes people from stepping out and trusting God. So we need to trust him. The second lesson we can learn from storms is that God accompanies me in the storm. Now think about this. You're not alone. You never are alone. He will never leave us nor forsake us. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God accompanies us in the storm. It's easy to feel alone and abandoned by God when you're in a severe storm. It's easy to respond emotionally and react to the storm and forget that God is right there with you. He will never leave us nor forsake us. So there's a couple things we need to realize when God accompanies us in the storm. And one is this, that God is our refuge. I find that incredibly encouraging. Incredibly encouraging. God is our refuge, it says, and strength. An ever-present help in trouble. A refuge is a place of safety and security. And God has provided that for us in the person of Christ. The disciples could have trusted their personal knowledge and experience being in a boat. They could have placed their confidence in the boat to protect them. However, they realized the insufficiency of both. Very present help. God's assistance is there for us. In Hebrews 13, 6, it says, So we can confidently say, The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man can do to me. I don't know what trouble you're going to go through in 2019. I don't know what trouble I'm going to go through in 2019. I don't know what adversity. I don't know what affliction. I don't know what tribulation God is going to allow to cross my path. But I do know this. No matter what you and I face, it will be filtered through the sovereign fingers of a loving, wise, all-sufficient Messiah Savior. That's what we have to trust. That he knows us and he knows what we need. God is not only our refuge, God is our rock. He is our rock. I know some people say, my spouse is my rock. Well, that may be true. But God is ultimately your rock. God gave you your spouse. The Lord is my rock and my fortress, he says. My deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. 1 Samuel 2, 2, there is none holy like the Lord. For there is none beside you, there is no rock like our God. See, he doesn't leave us alone in the storm. He accompanies us. He's the rock. He's a solid foundation. He is secure. He is all we need in the storm. And sometimes we can get to the breaking point. We can get to that point where we're just like, you know what? I'm at the breaking point. And that's where we can just lay on the floor. I've done it before. Just lay on the floor and cry out to God. That's okay for us to do because we're human. And we need to do that. And God, I think, wants us to do that at times. The psalmist talked about flooding his couch with tears. It's okay to do that when you're going through a storm. 
But just know that God is there in the midst of that storm. And if you're not going through a storm and things are going smoothly for you, take notes because the storm is coming. Okay? Take note. We depend on God for protection. He will not abandon us in the storm. I love that song that talks about his eye is on the sparrow. And I know he watches me. Not a hair of our head falls to the ground without his notice. The third lesson we should learn in a storm is that God controls the severity of the storm. And this is important because sometimes people will say, you know what, I can't handle that. You're right, but God can. There's no storm greater than the storm maker the one who allows the storm into our lives. And he knows how to control the severity of the storm in our life. So here's what we have to do. If we really believe this, then we accept the storm as from God's hand. He has allowed it for a reason, for a purpose. Instead of us saying, why me? God, what is it you want to teach me through this storm? I don't know who wrote this, but I agree with the message when they said this. Acceptance is taking from God's hand absolutely anything he chooses to give us. Looking up into his face in love and trust, even in thanksgiving, and knowing that the confines of the hedge within which he has placed us are good, even perfect, however painful they may be, simply because he himself has given them. Some of you have seen the movie Soul Surfer. It tells the story of Bethany Hamilton. From Hawaii, she started surfing when she was a toddler. She began surfing competitively at the age of eight. She was attacked by a 14-foot tiger shark while surfing off the North Shore at age 13. She lost her left arm as a result. Through determination and faith in God, she was able to return to professional surfing. She has since won several national championships and written several books and, of course, the movie, The Soul Surfer Motion Picture. She had the opportunity to share, she has had the opportunity to share her personal testimony with many hundreds and hundreds of students, explaining how she coped with life after the attack. And here's what she says As I grew up with one arm and relearned how to surf, God taught me that He can take the hard times that I went through and turn them into something beautiful, she said. I think that he can do that for each and every one of you. He can take what you have been through and use it for good if you are willing to share what he has done for you. She said, it's been 10 years since I've lost my arm and I would never take back anything I've gone through. I would never take back losing my arm, she said, because I know God has allowed me to go through something like this to be able to come and share with you the message of hope in him. That's a mature faith. 
She reminded the students that even though obstacles and trials may seem difficult to bear, God is always at work in the midst of them. She says, now I can look back on my life and I am just in awe that God can take a little girl from a tiny island and use my story all over the world to reach so many people. Here's the second part we need to remember. We accept the storm as from God's hand. And secondly, remembering God tailors the storm for my situation. In other words, the context that you are in right now, God wants you in that context. Are you allowing God to work within the context of what he's put you in? Knowing that maybe this isn't what you would choose. I know my brother wouldn't have chosen cancer. And yet, that was the context that God had for my brother and his family to leave behind a wife and two children. Humanly, I don't understand that, but I do know this. They're looking to God as their anchor. And God is using their lives because they realize that God tailors the storm for our situation. He absolutely does. He says this in Job 7. We talked about Job losing his health, his wealth, and all of his children in that windstorm. Here's what Job says in Job 7, verse 3. So I have been allotted months of futility, and nights of misery have been assigned to me. They've been assigned to me. God tailors the storm for our situation. V. Raymond Edmond. We gave this uh, little quote thing to our leadership just a few years ago in quiet and confidence. And I love this because it, it keeps it in perspective when we're facing something. He says, let me say I'm here one by God's appointment. God doesn't make mistakes. He puts us right where he wants us when he wants us there. By, in his keeping, he's watching over every cell of my body under his training. He's teaching, he's instructing, he's supervising me and for his time. All the days ordained for us are written in God's book. He knows exactly what he's doing with our lives. He brought us here. It's his will. He keeps us here in his love. He gives me the grace to behave as his child. He will make the trial a blessing if we allow him to. And he will teach me lessons he intends for me to learn. And he will work in me the grace he means to bestow on me. I'm not going to take the time to go into all the details, but I've shared with you before that I was demoted when I was in a supervisory position when I worked for the bread company. But how God used that and shaped my life as a result of that demotion. God uses all of those things in our lives, and we tend to see people where they are instead of what God has brought them through and has taught them. So, if you talk about a perfect storm, <laughs> this was a perfect storm for the disciples. Maybe God is working a perfect storm in your life that doesn't seem very perfect, but he is working a perfect storm 
in your life, tailoring the storm for your situation. Let's get to the fourth one. The fourth lesson God wants to teach us in storms is God desires to reveal himself to me in the storm. See, they saw Jesus heal people. They heard him teach parables. They saw him healing and casting out demons. They saw him heal the man with the withered hand. They saw him heal the paralytic. We've read about all those things. They saw him do all those things, and then all of a sudden they get in this storm that seems, well, we haven't seen him fix the storm yet. He's like, I'm the Messiah. You need to understand who I am. And, and, and us, in the 21st century, Jesus is telling us he's the Messiah. There's no storm that he can't get us through in our lives. And he wants to reveal himself to us. How did he reveal himself? First of all, his divine power was witnessed. I mean, they said, what did they say? He gets up, he rebukes the wind in verse 39, and he says to the waves, quiet, be still. The wind dies down, and it was completely calm. And they're terrified in verse 41. He said, who is this? <laughs> I mean, we've seen him do these other things, but who is this that he can speak to nature and nature obeys him? We've seen and heard from a lot of rabbis, but we haven't seen a rabbi pull that one off. I mean, his divine power. He's the creator, sustainer, and savior. His divine power was witnessed. Secondly, his distinct protection was experienced. In the middle of the storm, in the eye of the storm, God protected his own. And he will with his distinct protection. It has to be filtered through his hands. They were all saved. We can go back and look at the story of Jonah. Jonah was saved through the divine protection of the great fish that swallowed Jonah. We saw the divine protection when he shut the mouths of the lions in the lion's den. The divine protection of God is there. And thirdly, his deliberate provision was observed. Jesus met their need. They needed to know they were going to be all right. They were going to get to the other side. They're going to survive. Jesus was all they needed to make it through the storm. He was all they needed. The Israelites, as they're making their way through the wilderness, God rains down manna from heaven. He provides quail so their stomachs are just... <laughs> They're gorged. I mean, he divinely provides for them so they can make it through. He provides a, a cloud of pillar by day and a pillar of fire by night. He parts the Red Sea so they can walk through on dry ground. His provision is there. They escape the Egyptian army. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. As we do, what about the lessons that God wants to teach us? I hope the enemy has not duped us with these false assumptions that we're not going to go through storms. 
And the closer we get to God, we're going to, you know, be able to, God's going to bless us all the time. You know, there's a lot of health, wealth, and prosperity theology on TV <laughs> and the radio. And people are like, yeah, you know, it's not all thorns. They make it sound like it's all a bed of roses. I'm sorry, that is not New Testament teaching. That is not biblical teaching. We are going to go through storms. And some could be quite severe. We don't know what tomorrow holds, but we know who holds tomorrow. God is our refuge. Some of you may be here today, and you are in the middle of a storm right now. You feel like you are in the eye of the storm. I don't know what you're facing. Or six months from now, or a year from now, or five years from now. I just know this. <laughs> we don't get out of this life without going through storms. And what do many people do? They turn to a drug, alcohol, some other addiction to help them in the middle of their storm. Folks, we have a Messiah. We have a God who is sufficient to help us in the storm. You don't need the drug. You need Jesus. You don't need the bottle. You need Jesus. <laughs> you don't need that immoral relationship. You need Jesus. You don't need something on the internet. You need Jesus. He's saying, I'm sufficient to meet your need. He's our refuge. He's our rock. He will control the storm. See, the thing of it is, the Bible says nothing will separate us from his love. Nothing. He loves us so much. He cares about us deeply. We have to trust him. Would you trust him? Have you trusted him with your life for salvation? That's the first step. Trusting him with your life. If you don't know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal savior, Jesus died on the cross. He demonstrated his love for us in this, that while we were yet sinners, the Bible says he died for us. And we have to trust him. We have to follow him wholeheartedly. He wants to grow our faith through the storm. Will you trust him? If we can pray with you or help you in your walk with Christ, we'd be glad to talk with you after the service. Please feel free to talk with us. We'd love to help you in your spiritual journey. hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.